Hello and welcome to the MVR podcast season two episode 11. My name is Rachel Almer and my name is Tony Meehan and today we're going to be talking about MVR in schools again. Welcome back Tony, lovely to see you. And you Rachel, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, Just to recap your presentation in the um, MVR Association conference a few Saturdays ago was compelling and well received and animated and interesting and everything else. Did you enjoy it? I did, yeah. Once the adrenaline started flowing, I was nervous, but, you know, once the adrenaline got going, I was it, I was away, you know, because, you know, obviously this is a subject dear to my heart. Having spent uh, 30 years in teaching or nearly 30 years in teaching and just really trying to explore alternatives to what's going on in schools now, in some schools uh, at the moment. The person I was sitting next to um, was, you know, just on the edge of her seat listening and she said, I looked at her and smiled after you said so. She said, I could listen to him all day. (laughs) (laughs) I could listen to him all day. So you're back. I've invited you to come back. You, yeah. um, we've got an interesting topic today. We're, we're going to be kind of really deconstructing presence in both the setting at home and the setting in a school environment. And I was going to start off with explaining a case I'm working with. Yep. And um, perhaps we can just lead that conversation back to schools environments. Fine. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yes, it, it, it comes about really inviting parents to take a different position, particularly when their young person is um, starting their revision for their GCSEs. Yeah. Hope that parents hold on to and the position that they take of wanting their kids to do so well um, was really at the forefront of this family's mind that I'm working with right now and their 16-year-old um, young person. And their position at the start of our work was, you know, he, he's got to revise, he's got to get his GCSEs. If he doesn't get if he doesn't get those GCSEs and those grades, he's not going to get into sixth form. If he doesn't get into sixth form, that's where all his friends are going. Um, that drive was so intense for the parents. And it come from a real place of love and wanting him to do well. So when we unpick and explore the position of this young person, 16 who who manages to scale through most of his revision and mocks um with very little revision but doing very well (laughs) and and getting some grades um and what's what the parents we've been working with is the parents just taking a completely different position and at the start of introducing this position to the parents they were quite um I guess uneasy feeling how how by stepping back is going to, to get him to, to to achieve these these uh these results you know the, this revision and what's happened is they've changed their position and by doing so this young person is independently has independently created a, a routine in his evenings of going to bed on time. He is removing himself off his games mm-hmm. voluntarily. Brilliant. Laying his clothes out for the next day. Mm-hmm. He's investing in an alarm system that gets him up independently. Yeah. He's getting himself to school independently. And he's attending his classes of revision. This was at his mock. So he was attending his all of his mocks. Yeah. Um, he sub- subsequently since then 
um, starting to attend some revision lessons. And this week, he, he, you know, this last week and the week coming up, he's sitting his exams. When I explored with the family a couple of days ago, was this what they thought would happen? <laughs> you know, their young person taking control of his life, practicing self-control. Yeah. It was from their wildest dreams. Could, could they imagine that he could achieve these things? This young person's also got an, a diagnosis of ADHD. So there are certain complexities to how he receives the world and his world, his place in the world. Yep. How he struggles to concentrate and remember things. Um, so this lad's got this huge amount of um, stuff that he's got to remember. He's got to present. He's got to get to school. He's got to do the uniform. He's got to take that book. He's got to get up. He's got to get a bed. He's got to get good, you know, good night's sleep. He's got to have breakfast. He's... And the parents are remaining present, but in a different way. So this mindful presence we talk about in our practice is, you know, holding the rope, being the parent you want to be providing the things that you can provide and support him in. Has he got a desk? Has he got space? Has he got time? Has he got food? Has he got the pen? <laughs> you know, has he got any revision resources that you need to supply him with? Yeah. Are you doing the things that you can do? And how by exploring other unhelpful communication <clears throat> that has now ceased, so there is no verbal reminders. There is no uh, contention or, or tensions in the family structure. The home is calmer. Yeah. And this lad is, is what we would describe as stepping into his role of, of understanding his position, knowing that these are his exams, and if he fails them, he won't get into sixth form. And the parents have stated this once only. Once only, yeah. And they've taken this step, this different position. And the parent have shared, you know, parents have shared with me in session. They've struggled. You know, they've wanted to go back in. They've wanted to yeah. remind. There's been, there was a, 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 you know, a couple of late attendances or, and the mother holding her position, father yeah. holding the mother's position, both of them working really together as a unit. So I wanted to kind of share that with you, but also how the parents have marveled at the success of their son and his ability of which they completely felt he had no control over to achieve this um, attendance, to achieve this revision, to achieve these setting exams. And now if we transfer some of those principles, Tony, into the school environment, yeah. As a as a non believer, how do how do we encourage you know the teachers to take this stance? I think there's two things I wrote down as you were talking there, and uh, is agency. The young person developed his own agency and had the space to do that. And I think one of the things I'm learning as a practitioner working with parents is just how much parents do the worrying on behalf of their children yeah. and this is overwhelming for the child because there is a con huge controlling aspect around that because they set everything up and they can't understand why they simply won't do what we've asked me look and we've done this and we've done this and we've done this and mm -hmm. what you 
said, you know, I was smiling because it just reminds me of like my position in a pupil referral unit. And again, I have to say, uh, this that was a very privileged place to be because mm. of the nature of the young people I was working with. But also because nobody was looking over our shoulder to see how well our pupils were doing in terms of GCSEs and other exams. So we had the luxury, if you like, of not fitting into a league table somewhere. Mm. And so that allowed a sense of uh, a teacher agency. And that allowed us to get on with doing what we were good at as teachers and being relaxed about it because we were teachers and we knew our jobs. And I remember uh, we had um, Ofsted coming uh, and we needed to find some data to demonstrate that we were doing our job somehow. And I stumbled upon a piece of data on the DFA website that demonstrated that we were actually the highest achieving pupil referral unit in inner London at the time. And this is going years back, but uh, I've got that data somewhere. Second highest in, in Greater London and something like 10th in the whole country. Now, we were a small pupil referral unit. Mm. And I thought that was really, really interesting because showed that we were doing the very best we could within difficult circumstances by allowing staff to feel relaxed about that, that aspect of their, their role. Mm. Just you can teach, get in there and, you know, don't worry about the outcome. And what I mean don't worry about the outcome is, is you're not there doing everything you can like those parents were looking for every aspect that you could control around mm. these young people's lives. And you said you trusted your teachers as I did to teach as they did. And the outcomes were, well, you know, unfortunately not brilliant compared to mainstream results. But I would argue the very best we could have done in the circumstances. I always wanted to, 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 you know, we celebrated those small clutches of brilliant results that we got from time to time. But we also celebrated those young people for whom sitting an exam was progress and the outcome, whether it be an F, a G, I, I, I know it's numbers now, uh, that was that that we knew how to celebrate that and ha not and more importantly how to build upon it so i think the other thing what i think what you said was allowing the teachers uh, oh, sorry i did say this they were allowed to be the teachers they wanted to, to be and i think this is important mm -hmm. so that's a start Rachel, of where I feel this sort of approach can be moved into a mainstream setting. And it sounds glib almost, where you're saying, don't worry about the, the, the outcomes. But it's not that straightforward. You're not saying don't worry about them at all. But you're saying there are more important things 
worry and care about the relationships that you're building, the connections you're making with young people all through the school. You mentioned teacher agency and obviously we talk a lot with our clients around parental agency can you yeah. say more about what does that mean to somebody who perhaps you know is, is curious to explore that a little bit deeper what does teacher agency mean I think it means that you have the freedom to uh, be the professional you are mm. um, you know you spend a long time training to become a teacher. You understand pedagogy. You understand how teaching and learning works. It's an ongoing process. And I think it means then that you have a say in how you teach the fundamentals, sorry, the fundamentals of how you teach. And rather than it being packaged in such a way that this is how we want you to deliver because of the, these are the outcomes we expect. So th th there isn't this sort of sense of dread looming that I've got to achieve these targets. And that then informs what you do in the classroom. And from an MVR perspective, like this is really about being in control of yourself. As we say over and over and over again, NVR is about being in control of self. And this is something you have control over. Your development as a teacher, what's out there? What do I need to keep learning so that I become the best teacher I can be? And I used to say to staff all the time, it's never over. You never stop learning. And one of the things I, I, I feel that we developed and allowed to happen in the PRU is to broaden one's perspective in the PRU in terms of accepting that there is a wide range of pupils in that classroom with a wide range of needs. And in order to manage those needs in the moment, you had to be extremely well informed and read and learned. Mm. And I think, you know, I've, I've, have, I've had experience recently working with some schools, some that gets what, what MVR is about, it's not about saying, allow all sorts of behavior to happen. Don't worry about it. And you just have to put up with it. But it's actually developing a process whereby you learn more about yourself and how your presence grows. And I said that I don't want to go on about that because we talked a lot about in the last uh, podcast about presence. But it allows you to see the range of needs you have. Classrooms are incredibly complex places. Mm. Cannot reduce it to a one size fits all. And what we're saying is teach with teacher agency, okay, you, there is a new experience in terms of a new pupil with new set of needs. Right, let's address those. How are you going to manage that within the classroom? And again, presence, how will we support you? And you're, as I said, I'm trying, I'm struggling here to, 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 because I, I can represent it visually. 
<laughs> by opening, you know, if you open your arms and you, 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 you're being more so acceptant of everybody that's in that classroom. But that takes skill and a strong sense of teacher agency. And that agency is growing. Like if we imagine our, our individual work that we work with families. Now, our, our, we can make a suggestion to a set of parents about taking a step back and being the parent that you want to be. And my my conversations were steered with this particular family we're referring to. Here's the score. Here's the, here's the situation. You can have this relationship with your son. Yeah. And you can be on his case and he closes down. He even bought a, you know, he bought a lock and locked his own bedroom door to keep them out. Um, there was a lot of discourse. There was unsettled. Uh, there was no, you know, lack of communication. Didn't want to eat at the family table. Avoidance, isolation in the bedroom. Or you could choose a different position that focuses on the relationship that you've got with him. Yeah. Him being happy in his home life. Great life. And it might be that he doesn't do that revision that you want him to do. Yeah. And it also might mean that in that process, he might fail that exam that you know he's really able to achieve a pass. Yeah. Do you, he, that might be the outcome. Mm-hmm. But actually what you have now is you have a con- more contented young person who's not feeding into his own anxieties, who's beginning to learn that he can do things he can achieve that is set in his own goals that he's par- his parents are supporting him setting his own goals that he now invites himself to the family table to eat with them that he does come on that family day out that he is sitting in the car and communicating and contributing to conversations yeah and now this is the son they are around but he might not be doing that revision that he set he's, he's being set he might not achieve that that result in the exam, and and how how that invitation to parents can be, you know, and that development in their own parental agency, you know. Now let's imagine the teacher. So there are thirty two of those boys or girls in their class. Yeah, thirty two of them. Yeah, and one you. Yeah, and and now I've got a team of teaching staff that are witnessing me taking a different position. Yeah. And I run the risk of being criticized by my, you know, if, if this is if this MVR approach isn't followed through from top down, yeah. I'm I'm I could be risking myself to be yeah. outed by my colleagues, yeah. not feel supported by my colleagues because of this new position that I'm taking, even though I know it, instinctively it's the right position to take mm-hmm. to be a, a supportive teacher to help where's where it's needed. Not all help is helpful. Yeah. Just wondering what your thoughts are about that. School culture is what springs to mind here. How present is the school? How present is the leadership team? How present is the head teacher? At what level can this be introduced, an MVR style approach? And I think it's a really important, one of the things we were talking earlier about uh, how we would address this, changing the culture of a school is about persistence and resistance. And I think it's also about being strategic. 
where does one start? I, I would recall a situation um, a few years ago where I was asked to talk to teachers about MBR and the setup was, put it this way, unfortunate because I arrived and found myself on, on a stage in a very bare hall talking to 40 to 50, maybe more, very reluctant teachers and talking about MVR. Rather stick a fork in my eye. Absolutely. And it was like, I think, I may have said this before, but I expected tumbleweed to, to waft across the hall because and the sense of hostility I felt was justified. Mm. Who the hell is this guy telling us that what we're doing doesn't work when actually it does work for us? And let's be clear, Rachel, the problem we, we have got is in introducing an MVR style approach is that for many young people, many schools, this sort of punitive behaviorist approach is, is effective. But what we also know is there are many and a growing number of young people who are suffering and being spat out of the system as a result of it. Exclusions are rising, SEMH uh, pupils are among the highest number of exclusion, the percentage of exclusions, etc. So it's really about being strategic and about how you introduce this. And one of the things I remember doing in, in my when my school prior to being a head of Pru was introducing something called Learning to Learn. And it was a program about uh, building learning power. Mm-hmm. And it was a critical thinking approach, critical thinking approach to learning. And the most successful thing was getting a team of champions, for instance. So just bringing... And, bringing and there were a lot of young staff wanted some really engaged in this and they wanted to do this and it was great because they had this team of absolute enthusiasts and we sort of infiltrated in a, a very open way <laughs> MVR, not MVR this learning to learn program into the school and I would envisage that would be a way you engage with young people, not young staff or actually old, young, whatever staff who want who want something different. And but the critical aspect of it is that there has to be buy-in from leadership. They want to try something different, are willing to give it support and protect that aspect of it as it's happening in the early days, when, of course, there will be uh, challenges to it. Mm. So I suppose, for me, one of the things I remember um, as a head, head of a pro, uh, uh, the pressure, I, I inherited a pro where there was pressure on staff to do various things. And what we needed was an atmosphere of calm, of lower the anxiety level because stress begets stress. Stressed staff creates stressed pupils. Now, some pupils manage that. We know that. But many don't. Mm. You're really looking at something that is almost counterintuitive. Mm. Not focus too heavily on the outcomes. The more we do, 
the more the less likely we're going to achieve those outcomes we are more likely to achieve those outcomes by creating an environment that is supportive that third aspect of presence systemic support but genuine support I, I'm, I'm wittering on here Rachel. No, and that, that tony is exactly what the parents i'm working with have done that they have created this support this external support system for this lad yeah through that he is setting his own goals yeah. and he's achieving and and you know at the start of the work the concern was about his non-attendance yeah. and 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 with that was some controlling and um, escalatory behaviors mm-hmm. and and we've not seen any escalatory behaviors in the last four or five months mm-hmm. and we're seeing a far less amount of controlling behaviors the parents aren't feeding into his anxieties yeah. they're holding that position they've created this parental agency in the home that is enabling him to feel safe and through that safety, he's flourishing and thriving. Yeah. Um, and 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 as I described, setting his own goals. So it's it's a mirrored uh, position, isn't it? This is what the parents are doing at home, and this is what the school are doing at school. And I think one of the things we need to do, Rachel, is get on with the job of creating a compelling alternative. Yeah. Not just sit back and, and think, well, we're never going to manage this because. Le- the, the the political landscape in which we find ourselves at the moment is very much against this type of thinking. Mm. Political landscape is dictating that we have to learn and teach in a particular way. Yeah. And I th- we cannot just sit back and think, oh, well, there's not an awful lot we can do. The, the, we, are, we need to be looking. There are schools out there doing NVR but don't know they're doing NVR and we need to locate them find where the spark is within those schools work with those people who really are looking for something different and avoid going down what Paul Dix calls punishment road because once you go down punishment road that you know inevitably you'll end up in a pupil referral unit Mm. then inevitably the results you know the the the, uh, academic outcomes are poor so the system needs to be slightly uh, uh, adapted adjusted disrupted i would say is a better word in order to allow time and space for something like nvr to find its place in our education system and to grow from within otherwise we will sit back wring our hands say oh well there's not an awful lot we can do and i'm reminded of that keel video i think isn't there one where it, in belgium a, a, a mm-hmm. town in belgium mm-hmm. i'll try and put the link on the um, yes, um, because it just demonstrates how nvr thinking mindset spread across a whole town mm-hmm. made and it had an impact and, and the impact for the young people, you know, here we have young people who are flourishing. Yeah. And I, th- I think that it's really important, again, that we focus on that. But what the, 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 the NVR approach, agency, teacher agency, so that they are feel that it's not a question of being constantly subjected to observations 
and the feeling that they're failing, but actually trust them. Because I think that is one of the things that is missing in many schools, trust of staff and trust of pupils. And I genuinely, well, obviously, you know, NVR offers an alternative. It does. It does. So I guess, in I think in summary, when we're winding down this very short podcast, but thinking about the different positions that parents and teachers can take in order to support a young person through, you know, the traumas of, of sitting, you know, mocks and revision on top of, you know, post-pandemic yes. you know, systems and, and uh, understanding, you know, how young people have had such a gap in their education and how they're overcoming those gaps. But I guess what would somebody who is listening and, and enjoy these topics and want to learn more about MVR would be the best way for them to get in touch? Well, obviously get in touch with their partnership projects and, 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 and that, but uh, the reading around there is growing. And um, I think um, a lot of, the um, Chaim Omar's books are useful. The one Courageous Teachers is very good in terms of, and it's not just the philosophy or the thinking, it's the, it's dem- there's their case studies in there demonstrate how it works mm-hmm. and how powerful it can be. And I don't think they can be disputed. We're always going to have extreme cases where, you know, things you, things don't work out the plan. But they can be recovered from within NVR. And NVR allows for what we call them setbacks. Yeah. Okay, yeah. where are we going to go with this, guys? It's a setback, but that does not mean everything is falling apart. No. I think that, and, I, I, you know, the, 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 his... Um, well, he's got many books out around MVR, but I think I also mentioned in the last podcast, I think the Penn program, which is a chapter uh, very useful. You know, I don't know if you want to put that on the yeah, website well, because it can demonstrate it is a model which can be introduced into schools. And it talks about the, the steering committee. It talks about a number of tools, but de-escalation, all of these things, how to support properly and develop what I would call a less stressful, less anxious-ridden environment and focus on the relationships. And the relationships are a better indicator of how a young person is going to succeed or how you're going to, you know, the degree to which they're going to succeed in, in, in exams, etc. I'm, hmm? I'm watching the time. I keep no. thinking, shut up, shut up, wrap up, wrap up, because I'm wondering. We try to aim to make them short and sweet. So I guess um, I'll put some information on the um the script around um, the podcast host. Um, people can get in touch with info at partnershipprojectsuk.com and um, alternatively email myself or Tony for more information. But, yeah, it's been really good. Thank you, Tony. Good. Always good, Rachel. It's always good to chat, always good to chat, especially about education and NVR. So thank you and goodbye. Take care, Rachel. Bye-bye.